Welcome back to Kingdom Testimony. This is Lisa. We are reading Intramuros, a book written by a lady in 1898 who passed away and had this, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a dream or an experience, where she went to heaven and, and then she came back to life, apparently, and wrote the story. The author is Rebecca Reuter Springer. In the book, though, she refers to herself as Bertha. I'm not sure why, but she does. We left off on chapter 11, and that begins with a poem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thy streets of pearl and gold are trod by the blessed feet of them we knew and loved of old. Their voices full of calm delight steal through the radiant air. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, our hearts are with them there. As the days passed, I found my desires often led me to the sacred lake, sometimes alone, sometimes with one or more of my own family circle. My revered father and precious mother, my dear brother and sister, and many beloved friends, both within and without the bond of consanguinity. It was always to me an inspiration and an uplifting. I never could grow sufficiently familiar with it to overcome the first great awe with which it inspired me. But I found that the oftener I bathed or floated and slept in its pellucid current, the stronger I grew in spirit and the more clearly I comprehended the mysteries of the world about me. My almost daily intercourse excuse me, with the dear ones of our home life from whom I had so long been separated, served to restore to me the home feeling that had been the greatest solace of my mortal life. And I began to realize that this was indeed the true life, instead of that probationary life which we had always regarded as such. I think it was the day after my return from my first visit to earth that, as I had started to cross the sward lying between my father's house and our own, I heard my name called in affectionate tones. I turned and saw approaching me a tall, fine-looking man whose uncovered head was silvery white and whose deep blue eyes looked happily and tenderly into mine as he drew near. Oliver, I cried with outstretched hands of welcome, dear, dear Oliver. It was the husband of my eldest sister, always dearly loved. I did not know that you had come until a few moments since, when our father told me. It is delightful to have you here. It seems more like the old life to see you than any of the others who are here. We were together so much during the last eight years of my stay, he said, grasping my hands warmly. Where are you going now? Can you not come with me a while? I was thinking only a few days ago how much I wished you could be here a little while before Lou came. You know her tastes so well. And now you are here. So often our unspoken wishes are thus gratified in heaven. Is my sister coming soon? I asked a little later. That I cannot confidently say, but you know the years of the earth life are passing, and her coming cannot be much longer delayed. Can you come with me now? Gladly, I said, turning to walk with him. 
It is only a little way from here, he said, just where the river bends. Lou loves the water so. I chose that spot in preference to one even nearer your home. This is truly enchanting, I cried as we drew near the place. I have not been this way before. I want you to see the river from her room windows, he said. I know you will enjoy it. We entered the truly beautiful house built of the purest white granite, so embedded in the foliage of the flower-laden trees that from some points only glimpses of its fine proportions could be seen. She loves flowers so much. Will she not enjoy these trees? He asked with almost boyish delight. Beyond everything, I answered. We passed through several delightful rooms on the lower floor and ascending the stairway, which in itself was a dream of beauty, entered the room he was so anxious I should see. I stopped upon the threshold with an exclamation of delight while he stood watching with keen enjoyment the expression on my face. It is the most delightful room I ever saw, I cried enthusiastically. The framework of couches, chairs, and desk was of pure and spotless pearl, upholstered in dim gold, soft rugs and draperies everywhere. And through the low window, opening upon the flower-wreathed balcony, so enchanting a view of the broad, smooth river below, that again I caught my breath in delight. A thousand exquisite tints from the heavens above were reflected upon the tranquil waters, and a boat floating on the current was perfectly mirrored in the opaline-tinted ripples. Far across the shining waters the celestial hills arose, with domes and pillared temples and sparkling fountains perceptible everywhere. When at last I turned from this entrancing view, I saw on the opposite wall, smiling down upon me, the same divine face that I daily looked upon in my own room at home. We descended the stairs without a word. Then I could only falter. Only heaven could give such perfection in everything. Oliver pressed my hand sympathetically and let me depart without a word. Many months by earthly time had passed since that day, and many times I had visited that lovely home and held sweet converse with one I loved so well. I could suggest nothing that would add to the beauty of the place, but we talked of it together and planned for and anticipated the joy of her coming. One day I found him absent, and though I waited long for his return, he came not. I had not seen him for several days and concluded he had been sent upon some mission by the master. As I passed onward to our home, I met a group of happy young girls and boys of different ages, hastening the way I had come with their arms full of most beautiful flowers. As they drew near, I saw they were the grandchildren of my dear sister, Stanley and Mary and David and Lee and little Ruth. As soon as they saw me, they all with one accord began to shout joyfully, Grandma's coming, Grandma's coming. We are taking flowers to scatter everywhere. We are so glad. How do you know she's coming, children? I've just been to the home, to her house. No one is there. But she is coming, said little Lee. We had a message from Grandpa, and he is to bring her. Then I will tell the others, and we will, th will all come to welcome her, I said. With a great joy in my heart, I hastened onward to my father's house. I found them awaiting me, full of joyful expectation. Yes, we also have had word, my father said, and we're only awaiting your return that we might go together. Then I will go for Brother Frank 
that he also may accompany us, I said. He is here, said a genial voice, and looking up, I saw him at the door. Colonel Sprague is always present when he is needed, said my father cordially. So we set forth a goodly company to welcome this dearly loved one to her home. My father, my mother, and my sister Jody, my brother the doctor, and his two fair daughters, my Aunt Gray, her son Martin, and his wife and daughter, my brother Frank, and I. As we approached the house, we heard the sound of joyous voices, and looking in, we saw my sister standing in the room, her husband's arm about her, and the happy grandchildren thronging around them like hummingbirds among the flowers. But what was this? Could this radiant creature with smooth brow and happy eyes be the pale, wan, wan woman I had last seen, so bowed with suffering and sorrow? I looked with eager eyes. Yes, it was my sister. But as she was full thirty years ago with a bloom of health upon her face and the light of youth in her tender eyes, I drew back into the shadow of the vines and let the others precede me for my heart was full of a strange triumphant joy. This truly was the victory over death, so surely promised by our risen Lord. I watched the happy greetings and the way she took each beloved one into her tender arms. When one by one she had greeted and embraced them all, I saw her, with a strange yearning at my heart, turn and look wistfully around and whisper to my father, Is not my little sister here? I could wait no longer, but hastening to her side, I cried, Dearest, I am here. Welcome, welcome. She folded me to her heart and held me fast in her warm arms. She showered kisses upon my upturned face while I returned each loving caress and laughed and cried for very gladness that she had come at last. Oh, what a family reunion was that inside the walls of heaven, and how its bliss was heightened by the sure knowledge, not the hope that there should be partings for us henceforth forevermore. My brother Oliver looked on with proud and happy eyes. The hour for which he had come, which, which he had longed and waited had come to him at last. His home life would now be complete forevermore. I told him how I had waited for him that day, and he said, We saw you as you left the house, but were too distant to call you. I had taken her into the river and she had looked at and admired the house very greatly before she knew it was our home. What did she do when she saw her lovely room? Cried like a child and clung to me and said, This more than repays us for the lost home of earth. If the children had not come, I think she would have been at that window still, he said, laughing happily. I'm glad you had her all to yourself at the first, I whispered. You deserve that happiness, dear, if ever any man did. He smiled gratefully and looked over at his wife, where she stood the center of a happy group. Does she not look very young to you, Oliver? I asked. The years rolled from her like a mask as we sat beneath the water in the river. Ah, truly, in those life-giving waters we do all renew our youth. But she became at once uncommonly fair and young. Her coming has brought youth likewise to you, I said, noting his fresh complexion and his sparkling eyes. But I hope it will not change your silver hair, for that is to you a crown of glory. He looked at me a moment critically, then said, I wonder if you realize the change that has likewise come to you in this wonderful climb. 
I, I said, a little startled at the thought. I confess I have not once thought of my personal appearance. I realize what, through the Father's mercy, this life has done for me spiritually. But as for the other, I have never given it an instant's thought. The change is fully as great in your, own, your case as in Lou's. Though with you, the change has been more gradual, he said. I felt a strange thrill of joy that when my dear husband should come to me, he would find me with the freshness and comeliness of our earlier years. It was a sweet thought, and my heart was full of gratitude to the Father for this farther evidence of his loving care. So we talked together as the hours sped until my father said, Come, children, we must not forget that this dear daughter of mine needs rest this first day in her new home. Let us leave her and her happy husband to their newfound bliss. So with light hearts we went our way and left them to spend their first hours in heaven together. So that's the end of chapter 11. And there's things, and like I said, we're reading this for, you know, entertainment, enjoyment, and that sort of thing. But also, we are to test everything. Um, I, I had one thing that I was a little curious on. Let me see if I can find it. Okay, this area here, and I'm not saying I doubt it or anything. Um, far across the shining waters, the celestial hills arose with domes and pillared temples and sparkling fountains perceptible everywhere. Um, so she is seeing like city-like structures uh, across the hills. And maybe, maybe she'll get into it later on what that is. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, in, in every <clears throat> home, it appears, there is a painting of the master that is like it's an alive visage. So the same divine face that looks down on them. And I'm not doubting that that's not there. And, and one thing I want to make, you know, clear is is how I feel about it is different about than how you might feel about, you know, her account of what is in heaven. <clears throat> we all have our own reality, excuse me. <clears throat> we all have our own reality. And, um, and it's based upon our experiences and our walk with the Lord. So, you know, when we get to heaven, um, it could all be the exact same for everybody and we are seeing the true reality, um, which I tend to think it is. But whereas she came back from death and wrote this, or it was a very long dream because she was there for like months, her coming back and writing it, her account of it could be uh, let's say colored with her view of life in earth as she was living it in the late 1800s. That's what I'm trying to say. So we'll never know. We won't know until we get there. But I don't want to make this 
um, recording any longer than it needs to be. That was chapter 11, and thank you for joining me.